What do you mean if I can? Jesus asked. Anything, shout anything. anything. It's possible if a person believes. The father instantly cried out, and we can resonate with this. I do believe, but, shout but, but. help me overcome my unbelief. Amen. Please be seated. Lord, meet us in this time of teaching and sharing. Be transformative in Jesus' name. Amen. First week of about six or seven week journey as we look at this question of faith in the midst of reasonable doubt. That's the beginning of this series following our series on miracles. It's an appropriate way to get started uh, in this season. Now, here's the big idea. In order for us to have growing faith, everybody shout growing faith. faith. We have to confront and dialogue with our doubts. The fact of the matter is that many of our doubts, they are reasonable doubts. And I want to go so far as to say that doubt is the backdrop for faith. That one requires, faith rather, requires the backdrop of doubt. If something is a fact, it's certain you know it, that's just what it is. Faith is a little less than what we have as facts. It's not that I necessarily can prove it scientifically, but I believe it with all my heart, my mind, my soul. And you get there by dialoguing with your doubts. Now, uh, there are folk who say that in church, uh, we should never question God. Don't raise, our, don't raise any tough questions to God. Just, just believe. And when I was growing up, that's one of the things I always heard. If I had a tough question to ask, my, the response was given me, you don't question God. Just believe. And yet we learn from Jesus himself that questioning is invited by God. Jesus is on the cross. You remember Jesus is on the cross. And in one of the seven last words he speaks is actually a question. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And he asked that to release all of us just to be honest with God. I'm saying you can't really grow in your faith unless you are honest with God. And that means dialoguing with your doubts. Shout doubts. All right. A few days ago, uh, one of our partners came to me, uh, having heard the Easter message, knowing that I was going to do this uh, series. She came and said she wanted to spend some time, 30, 40 minutes, just talking with me about her faith and doubt. What... Her historical context was that her brother-in-law, who had battled with cancer for uh, over a course of several years, who was a strong believer and Christian leader, uh, had died about six months ago. And then a few weeks ago, she was diagnosed with cancer. And so she came to me and she said, I just want to talk this through with you since you said it's okay to talk about doubts. Sure. She says, so here, here's, here's my faith. She says, I believe in Jesus. I, I, I've entrusted my soul and my eternal destiny to him. Uh, I trust him for the forgiveness of my sins. I got all that down. I said, okay. She said, all right, that's my faith. 
She said, now, can we talk about some of my doubts? I said, sure. She said, so here's one of my, here's one of my doubts. She says, you know, when we were praying for my brother-in-law, we prayed and prayed. People all over the country prayed because he's well-known. And he died. So why should I pray if, if what I'm praying for is not guaranteed? And she said, so when folk heard about me with cancer, they gathered around me in my church community and they said, you know, we're going to pray for you. The first thing we said, we're going to pray for you. And she said, just in all honesty, I was like, why? What's the point? She said, I just kind of want to talk to you about this. I said, yeah, let's talk. And then she said, you know, and yeah, I'm going to have to start chemo. I'm going to lose my hair. I'm going to go through this whole season of suffering. She said, what's the value in that? I, if I know Jesus, I've trusted him for eternity. Why don't I just exit now? My paraphrase, shortcut to heaven, let's move on. Why should I work through this suffering? What's the point? What's, and then lastly, what am I doing here anyway? What's, what's going on? What this wonderful believer was doing, well, she was doing exactly the same thing this father in this text is doing. There's a variety of ways you can translate the New King James Version translates what this father says is Lord. Everybody say Lord. Lord. It means he's got a relationship. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Uh, the NIV and the New Living Translation gets even closer. And, you know, he just, I love it. It says he cries out. I mean, it's just kind of a, it, it's not like he's cool. It's not like, you know, he just kind of like, 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 you know, like, like just let me just mention this point in a, in a, in a non-emotional way. But the text says he cries out out of exasperation. And really, he says, I do believe. But. And do you know we all got, I, well, I, I read through some of the questions they're talking about it in a minute. There were some people who said, I don't have any doubts and I, 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 I celebrate you. But most of us have some buts. I do believe, but you are so kind as to submit for me. Uh, you remember at the end of the message last week, I said, would you please uh, take your largest doubt and turn it into a question. And uh, over 330 questions were submitted of what people are wrestling with. And I took time uh, on yesterday and I read through every question. And by the time I got through it, uh, it amplified the feeling that I woke up with yesterday morning. I, now, Saturday morning I woke up. I was depressed, and it took me a while to think, I mean, why I'm waking up depressed? I don't even want to get out of bed. And then I remembered the Warriors lost Friday night. <laughs> I couldn't believe it! All those turnovers, oh my gosh, in the last two minutes. And it would have been all right if they had lost on the road, but they messed up their home street. What? 
It was hard to get out of bed. Hard to get out of bed. <laughs> so y'all, I'm reading these questions, right? 330 of them. And suddenly I am just hit in the face with just how much pain is sitting in these pews. And this is a wide range of questions. Questions from, you know, I want to believe, but my mother or my grandmother has a, has a, a terminal ill disease. And I want to believe that God is going to heal, but... Of course, it's like I'm single and, and I want to believe, but I'm married. But I'm stuck in this, this tough relationship. I want to believe, but I'm struggling with my sexuality and, and I'm just trying to figure out, is, based on who I love, does that have any bearing on how much God really loves me? I, I want to believe. But, you know, I, I, I've got this big area in my life that's tripping me up. It's been tripping me up for year after year after year. And I want to believe that I can become all that God has called me to be. But, I've got a business. These are all questions I read. I've got a business that's headed towards failure. And I want to believe that God can, can intervene and, and stop this business from collapsing. But. Help me overcome. I've got a child. I've got a sibling. I've got a spouse that I've been praying for them to come to faith because I'm so concerned not just about their time but their eternity. And the more I pray, the further they get from me and from God and from the church. I want to believe, but do you know these pews are full of a lot of butts? I thought I'd let that hang out there so you could get it. You get it. <laughs> it's true. Tell your neighbor, it's true. <laughs> now, in this text, as I looked at this text, I, I was really shocked because I was praying about, okay, how do we start this series, Faith in the Midst of Doubt? And the Lord just birthed into my spirit this text. I went to this text. And I read this text. And I was really shocked at what I saw in this text. And, 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 and let me just frame what the next seven weeks is. I'm going to just, I'm going to, today I'm going to touch on, really just touch on. Everybody say touch on. Touch on, touch on, touch on. Three, four really big questions. But I, I won't have time. This is like part one. All right. So, so the, the text lays out at least four questions. I'm going to focus on three. It raises the question of religion. That's a big question. It kept resurfacing, working its way through those 330 questions. Uh, everybody say, question of religion. It raises the question of suffering. Shout, question of suffering. It raises the question of evil. Shout, the question of evil. And then it raises the question of prayer. Shout, the question of prayer. I'm not going to talk a lot about the prayer. These are the first three I'm going to do. And I'm just going to just touch on it today. Just touch on it. 
Then next week, I'm going to talk about what's the big deal with church because, you know, everybody's got friends who say, I, I, I'm spiritual and I believe, so why do I have to go to church? It's a good question. It's a really good question. So I open house. I'm going to talk about that. And the next week, I'm going to talk about worship uh, and because the following week, we're going to be worshiping through service. I'm going to talk about what's the big deal with that. And then the, when we get back after break, uh, uh, I'm going to talk about, I'm going to come back to this question of suffering and evil. All right? So if you really want to get the max, you just got to come back. <laughs> Tell your neighbor, come back. <laughs> Tell him, every week. <laughs> At least for six weeks. <laughs> yeah, then you can stop after six weeks. Yeah. All right, so let's, let's, let's get into this text. Uh, and let's just watch how this text pops some of these questions for us. Here's the first thing. All right. Here's, a, here's what's going on. Jesus takes up, it really starts at verse 2. Jesus takes Peter, James, and John, his inner circle, up on what is called a high mountain. Say high mountain. Doesn't name the mountain. It just says high mountain. And so they go up on this high mountain, and there they experience what they call the transfiguration. That's verses 3 and 4. And essentially what they do is they, they, they step back and they watch Jesus as he reveals his deity. And there's all of this shiny light that starts coming from Jesus. He's transformed in their very eyes, the text says. And his garment becomes white with light. Uh, more white than any bleach on earth could, could accomplish. And then verse 4 essentially say, and 6 essentially says that the disciples that were there, they were just, they were terrified in the, in the presence of what was going on. It was pretty powerful. And, 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 and then it says that uh, Elijah and Moses appeared in this, this moment of him revealing his deity explodes everywhere and Elijah and Moses appear and they're talking with one another now let me just put a little little pin right there because there's a point I don't want to skip over here notice if you know anything about the Bible you know that Elijah's life ended in great power and success Elijah's one of two people who would uh, not have to die in order to get to heaven. In 2 Kings, it tells us that the, uh, the chariots pick him up and he goes to heaven on a whirlwind. I mean, that's, that's pretty powerful. That's, 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 that's you got to go. That's the way to go. <laughs> <laughs> Waiting on my chariot. Bring it on. All right. Moses ends in a radically different way. Moses, the great parad paradigm, a great leader for the Old Testament. Of course, you recall, those of you who are familiar with the biblical text, you know that he lost his temper. And, you know, it wasn't the first time he lost his temper. The first time he lost his temper, he killed a guy and buried him in the sand. And evidently, Moses had a big deal with temper. And then finally, he loses his temper and disobeys God and strikes the rock. And finally, God says, enough is enough. You can't go into the promised land. And he refused to allow, God, to allow Moses to go into the promised land, which is Moses' biggest dream. And Moses gets to look and see the promised land, but he doesn't get to go. And the last thing we hear about Moses is that he's buried in the side of a mountain on this side of the promised land. And so Elijah ends his life with great success and great power. Moses ends his life, a great life, at the very end of it. Failure. 
Failure. Everybody say failure. Yet, right here on the top of the mountain, with Jesus standing in the middle, century later, we thought they were dead, we thought they were gone, we thought they were wiped out. But here they are, the one who got to heaven uh, on a whirlwind and the other one who ended their life in great failure, standing with Jesus in the middle. Well, now what's the point? Here is the point. It is by grace that we're all saved. Come on now. It is by shout grace. Grace. And some of y'all are here. You're, 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 you're at the height of your life. You don't even know about problems right now. The business is good. Your love life is great. Your money is flowing right. And man, you're, you're at the height of success. Well, I just want you to know that's because of the grace of God. Come on now. And there's some others in here. You're at the bottom of failure. Your marriage is blowing up. Your love life, you know, stinks really, really badly. Uh, your money is funny. Come on now. Are you dealing with some other stuff going on in your life? And I'm here to tell you the reason why you're here is the same reason why everybody else is here. It's the grace of God. And your hope is always in God's grace. Jesus is in the middle. Stay connected to Jesus. You'll be okay in the end. What's the text? All right. Watch the text. Then, when all that's over, there's an announcement made. I'll come back to that in a minute in verse 7. Then when all that's over, Jesus says, now what you saw, don't tell anybody until after my resurrection. Because then it's going to make sense. Then they come down. Everybody say, go down the mountain. Now, here's how I talk about it. They left the top of the mountain, and they came back to the real world. See, when we come to church, it's coming to the top of the mountain. This is where we, we are, we are refortified, we are energized, our faith, we hear about the greatness of God and the power of God, and then we have to leave church, and whenever you leave, leave, and I'm talking about the gathered place because the church is in us, but where we gather, right? And when we leave, it's always going back to real life. It's going back to the divorce I'm working through. It's going back to the fact that I'm struggling with disease. It's going back to the fact that, that I'm running out of money and I've got mobiles. It's going back to the struggles, to the failures, to the hardships, to the challenges of real life. See, that's where the crowd lives. Not in the miracle, between miracles. So they go back down. And when they get down there, there's a big debate. Watch it. The text says, as they join the other nine disciples, those disciples are surrounded by a large crowd. Say, large crowd. And in the center of the crowd, there's a debate because some of the religious leaders, teachers, they are arguing with the disciples. And right here is the question of religion. Because the religious Jewish leaders, they represent Judaism. And those disciples who are the followers of Jesus will ultimately be known as 
Christians. They, so they will ultimately represent Christianity. And there is a debate going on between Judaism and Christianity. And there's a big crowd gathered around. See who's going to win. Now, here's what I think about when I think about the debates that's happening between religions. When I was a kid growing up, uh, and a fight would break out, you'd always know it because there's a big, everybody leave where they're going to run. And of course, y'all know I was from the country in Cushada, so this probably didn't happen where y'all grew up at, but where I grew up at. Somebody, because you know, everybody be, the two folk who want to fight, they really don't want to fight, but, but they got to put on the right thing, you know, so they kind of walking around, walking around. So somebody who wants to see the fight, so they will put their hand in the middle and say, now who's mama wear panties? And, uh, and the fight breaks out. I don't know what mama's wearing underwear has to do with it, but but in some way, isn't that the fight of religion? The question is, who do I listen to? That's what y'all sitting here in the pews. That's the question of plurality. And we've got Islam, you've got Judaism, you've got Buddhists. Uh, and you, you go, even those of you have been to school, you've studied and you find some truth over here and say, yeah, that makes sense. You find some truth over here, you say, yeah, that makes sense. Some of you have actually done comparative religion studies and you've gone through all this and you say, you know, so, well, you know, well, well, who? the question is, who do I listen to? Now, Mark wants you to hear the answer to the question. So, so here's what happens. So the crowd is gathered. They're fighting over who do I listen to, you know, fighting over the religion because it, it, then Jesus comes down and the text says in verse 14, 15, it says when Jesus, when they saw Jesus, the crowd, when they saw Jesus, they, they were overwhelmed with awe. And in other words, there was something about Jesus that, that, that suggested that there was more to him than humanity. And it was maybe just something lingering from being at the top of the mountain. And so they left the fight. And ran to Jesus, and then as they came to Jesus, Jesus says, what are y'all fighting about? As though the fight's going on down here, but Jesus is up here. You know, Jesus is, he's not in the fight. He's above the fight. That's what Mark wants you to see. What are you fighting about? And then one of the people in the crowd says, one of the men in the crowd says, Jesus, I brought my son to you to be healed by implications, but you weren't here. And he describes the condition of the son. He's been possessed by an evil spirit. And he goes on and talks about it. And at the end of verse 18, he says this. He says, so, since you weren't here by implications, I asked your disciples to deliver him. And they couldn't do it. That's what the fight was about. Because the Jewish leaders said, aha, aha, aha. You talking about you got all this for you. You the, aha, look at you. Can't even deliver. If, if there was something to you and to Jesus, all that stuff, you. And then back and forth. Back, that's what the fight was about. Now, here's the tragedy. The, the, the fella with the boy, he's trying to ask two questions. One, who do I listen to? And two, I really don't really care. I just want my boy. How many folk have been caught up because religious folk been fighting one another? And you like, I I'm just trying to get some help for me. 
I, I got an addiction I'm trying to break. I've got a marriage I'm trying to fix. Come on now. I, I, I'm just trying to find some truth, some wisdom, and y'all just crazy. What? <laughs> That's a tragedy. It's a church tragedy. All right, now here's the answer. Everybody say, who do I listen to? Say it. It's a question of religion. And here's how Mark answers the question. Here's what he says. Go back to verse 7. And in the midst of Jesus revealing his deity, because he's not just fully human, he's fully God. And he discloses that when you see him, you've seen the disclosure of God. Verse 7 comes in, and then it says a, a, a cloud overshadowed them. Same language as uh, the, 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 the feeling of awe that overwhelmed the crowd at the bottom. A cloud overshadowed the three up there with him. And then it says a voice came out of the crowd, and at the cloud, and the voice said, This is my son whom I dearly love. Watch it. Listen to At the end of the day, here's the point. Jesus is greater than any religion. Right. He's greater than any religion, including Christianity. Because at the end of the day, it's not religion that saves you. It's a relationship that saves you. Come on now. It's, 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 it's Matthew 7, 23. Here's what Jesus says, Matthew uh, 7, verse 23. He says, on the day of judgment, many will come saying, Lord, Lord, that relationship like, Lord, Lord, didn't we not cast out demons and do great miracles in your name? And then he says, but then will I say to them, depart from me, I never knew you. The salvation is in Jesus. So at the end of the day, here's the big point about this, right? Uh, 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 at the end of the day, salvation flows. For those of you concerned about your loved ones and in different religions and all this other stuff, at the end of the day, it all flows from Jesus. Now he gets to decide who he wants to, come on now, to, 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 to use his blood to save. So I don't try to tell him who to save. I'm just happy I know him. Come on now. And I try to get as many folk to know him as I can. Because right. it's not just about that. There's something that comes with knowing him that changes your living in this point. So Jesus is greater than religion. Okay, here's a sub point. Sub point, here's a sub point. He says, I brought my boy to you, Jesus. Watch it. But I asked the disciples to heal him, and they couldn't. All right, here's the point. Never confuse people who follow Jesus with Jesus. You, you, you got to untangle that from your mind because all of us need a savior. All right, now listen, let me just say this. Let me say that. I want y'all who call me pastor, I want y'all to call me pastor. I like that. I, I want y'all I, I, I to come back and enjoy my preaching. I like that. I, I, I want y'all to follow our leadership as we, as we lead to, to, to share the gospel across the world. I like that. 
But, if I say but, never confuse me with Jesus. All right, why is that? Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. That's what Paul says. So it's all right to follow me as long as I'm following Christ. But if you don't know Jesus, then you don't know who I'm following. So, 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 so here's the value. Here's the value. Because if I lose my mind, it shouldn't make you lose your faith. Let me put it another way. If, if one of these light bulbs go out, that doesn't mean that the power company is out of business. Because that light's in all these other buildings. Come on now. Don't stop coming to church because the light bulb went out. Come on now. Change the bulb. Right? And know that the power. Listen, just got one preacher fall. I just have to say this every now and then. Because I just heard a story about a priest molesting a girl for five years. And then got out. And she talked about how he damaged her life. And damaged her sense of faith. But then one day she discovered and realized that the priest was not Jesus. And when she made the separation, come on now, she could push past the priest and make her way to Jesus. You see the point? So if the light bulb goes out, change the bulb. Don't exit the building. Come on now. Because the powerhouse is still supplying power all over the city. And there's a lot of light all over the city. Don't get confused by one light bulb. Ask your neighbor, did you hear that? Jesus is greater than any religion. It's him you follow. It's him you believe in. He's the one who said, look at my hands. Look at my side. I died to redeem you. I'll come back to that next week. All right. Let me, I'm going to hustle through these next two points. Because the next thing that pops up is the question of suffering. And I've got nine minutes and 52 seconds left on this clock. <laughs> no way in the world I'm going to deal with the question of suffering in nine minutes and 52 seconds. Because I even got to get the question of evil in here, all right? Now, <laughs> and they've taken a thousand years to, to, to write about this in the libraries, all right? So I'm just giving you, I'm just, this is a, a little bit. Everybody say a little bit. A little bit. All, right, all, right, all right, Question of suffering. It's in the text. Where is it? Here it is. Verse uh, 17. The fellow says, he says, he says, the boy, my boy, has been possessed by an evil spirit. And the evil spirit won't let him talk. And then he talks about the grinding of the teeth and the foaming of the mouth and the violent falling down. Then go to verse 21. Jesus says, how long has he been like this? Everybody say, how long? long? This is the practical question of suffering. The philosophical question around suffering has to do with why. And, 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 And the Bible says essentially there's one answer for why. That's the impact of sin on the cosmos. That's, 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 that's Romans 8. Uh, we'll, you'll find that there. But for each of us individually, there's a lot of different answers. 
Sometimes we're suffering because we done done some stupid stuff. All right? And then sometimes we're suffering because some folk have done some stupid stuff to us. And we're completely innocent. All right? So the why. So, but that's Philip. Because at the end of the day, to some degree, once you're in suffering, it really doesn't matter kind of how you got there other than a good lesson learned. But you're really asking in the middle of suffering, how long? It's a practical question. So Jesus says, how long has he been like this? And he said, the father says, ever since he was a little boy. And he describes how the spirit would attack him and throw him in the water and throw him in the fire. Right. Now, verse 19, as Jesus is beginning to respond, it sounds harsh on the surface, but it's pretty powerful when you put it together. Here's what Jesus says. You faithless people. Here's the how long again. How long will I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Everybody say put up. And then he says, bring the boy to me. Sounds harsh on the surface. Sounds like he's condemning us. But here's what he's saying. Faithless, substitute the word with blind, you can't see. And the Greek, when he says, how long must I put up with you, comes after how long must I be with you. Here's, what the, here's the literal translation. How long must I be with you and bear you up? Put up is better translated, bear you up. Another way of translating it, carry you. And by implications, how long must I be with you, carrying you, and you can't see me? You're giving the credit to everybody but me. Then you can see the frustration that comes out of the text when you get to the text, right, right, right? Right, right. And, 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 and it's kind of like, if I might personify a little bit, my wife told me the story last night. I was talking through my message with her. Whenever I preach a good message, she gets the credit. So, <laughs> so I was talking this through, and she said, well, you know, that's kind of like back in the day when they used to have, you know, because today when you go through the airport, you have the, all the luggage had the wheels on it. You know, you roll your wheel. But there was a day when your luggage didn't have a wheel. You had to put a dollar and 75 cent into the thing and pull out that big silver thing. You remember that? You remember that? Pull out that big silver and had the basket and you put all your luggage on that and then you push it through the thing, right? And, and so you could always tell folk who had money didn't have money. Folk who had money had the silver thing. Folk who didn't have the money just carrying the luggage. See, that's anyway, <laughs> so, 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 so I was always in the, didn't have money carrying on. But anyway, uh, 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 Rhonda said one time, one time she was pushing the silver thing and she had a couple pieces of luggage on it, but she had more luggage on her back while she was pushing the thing. Now, now what she realized was at the end of her journey was she could put it all on there. And so if you take that analogy, it's really kind of like Jesus is kind of like the silver bucket, buggy and, and, and the silver buggy is saying, how long must I be with you as you're pushing and you don't realize that you can put all your luggage on me? All right. Okay, so you get the point. So you get the point. Uh, 
I mean, I get to the last point. So I'll just do this one. So, so you can get the point. You got to keep reading. Because Mark wants you to catch the connection. Because somebody say, I don't, I don't get this God with me in suffering. I don't even understand what's the big deal. Because if I'm suffering and he's not ending it, why do I need him? That's what somebody's asking, right? All right, so here, here it is. Keep reading. And, and so Jesus says, uh, verse back to 21. How long has he been like this? The answer is, since he was a little boy. He goes on to say, the dad, for the spirit comes on him and throws him in the fire and throws him in the water to kill him. Everybody say, to kill him. And then here's the dad. Here's what strikes up the big subject for the day. Then the dad says, have mercy on us, shout us. He says, help us, shout us. All right, now, this is confusing. Because until this point, we've been talking about the boy. So I would have thought that he would have said, have mercy on the boy. Help the boy. Why is he saying, have mercy on us? Help us. The spirit is not attacking him. He's attacking the boy. Mark wants you to ask the question so that you can then discover something powerful. Here's it. Anybody who's a parent, you already got this. Because if you're a parent, if your child is going through, you're going through. Even if they're 3,000 miles away, but you know they are going through some heavy stuff, you can't sleep. You're struggling. You're praying. You're pleading. All right, now why? Why? Because the blood, right? Or if they're adopted because of the intimate relationship between you and your child, then your spirits are connected, all right? If that's true for human beings, how much more true is it for God? Come on now. Who says you're my child and that when you're going through, I'm going through. Come on now. And when you're going through the fire, I'm going through the fire. When you go through the flood, I'm going through the flood. All right. Well, if the spirit kept throwing the boy into the fire, how come the boy didn't get burned up? If he kept throwing him since he was a little boy into the water, how come the boy didn't drown? It's because the father kept pulling him out of the fire and kept pulling him out. He couldn't fix what kept driving him there, but he kept pulling him out. And he, he, he didn't eliminate the whole problem, but he did enough to keep him alive. Y'all ain't listening to me. That's God, y'all. Come on now. The reason you're here in the midst of your suffering, the suffering hasn't killed you because God just keeps, come on now, he keeps pulling you back and pulling you back with his grace, with his mercy, with his love. And he says, as long as you know I'm with you, ah, oh, y'all ain't listening. All right, let me give you the insight here. Why does it matter? When I got ready to go to a doctor about a year ago, I had some stuff going on, and I wasn't sure exactly what was going on. So I said to Rhonda, come go with me. She said, I said, baby, I need you to come go with me. She said, okay. So she came. Well, why did I want her there? Well, one, she's a doctor. That's helpful. 
I knew that if she was with me, whatever the diagnosis, because she was there, I could handle it. Never underestimate the presence of God being with you. And knowing that God is with you. And, and let me finish this up. I'm going to stop right here. because Let me just finish this up. So I went back to my partner that we were talking. And so she said to me, she said, she said so what's the value of my going through something? She says, what's the deal? I said, here's the deal. His deal, his deal. See, see, if you know that God's with you, your prayer change. Okay, here's the first thing I said to her. I said, listen, when you pray for a miracle, it's helpful to acknowledge that you're praying for a miracle. So what do you mean? Well, if it's a miracle, it doesn't happen as a norm. You're asking for an exception to the rule. So if you acknowledge that it's a miracle, you're also acknowledging that God may give me an exception or he may allow me to deal with the rule. All right, that changes how I pray, right? I can still pray for a miracle, but my prayer life has to get broader, right? Because now, but if I know he's with me, and if I know he loves me, and if I know, this is the question of evil in the text, if I know, because he casts the demon out, if I know he has the last word, then it helps me to pray differently. Now I'm not just praying for a miracle, I'm praying for strength. I'm praying for capacity. I'm praying for peace to overtake my anxiety. Come on now. And then I'm praying since I'm here and you're not going to get me out. It must be for a bigger purpose. Maximize my moment. I told her this. And then she said to me, oh, I get it. So you're saying to me that as I go through suffering, if I go through it with an awareness that God is with me and that he has the outcome in his hands, then I can do what I did the other day. And she told me about how the lab tech saw her, her test and was broken up about it. And the woman I'm talking about, our partner went to the car, came back and gave the lab tech a book about her brother-in-law who had died, but he had kept notes about how his faith had transformed him as he moved towards death, knowing that Jesus had the victory. And she said, read this. That's what my partner told the tech. A week later, she goes back for another test. The lab tech comes and says, I read the book. And she said, you know what? I think I'm going to go back to church. Come on now. If I know God is with me, it allows me, come on, to expand my prayer uh, uh, and begin to say, how do you maximize? And then it brings to the surface some, some, some questions I need to be asking anyway. Come on. Like, 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 why am I on the planet anyway? I said to the lady, I said, listen, unless I said, you should be asking that question anyway. And suffering focuses us. Cuts through all the stuff. Gets us to see what's real. And at the end of the day, here's the last point. It's not how much faith you have. It's the object of your faith. If you have faith that the lake ice over can hold you, and you have a little faith, but the ice is two feet frozen deep, 
you got a little faith, but just you take little steps, little steps, two feet frozen. It may take you a week, but you'll make it with little steps. If the lake is only frozen two inches, I don't care how big your faith is. If you may run out there, but you're going to collapse. What Mark is saying, at the end of the day, don't put your faith in religion. Don't put your faith in folk and family. At the end of the day, put your faith in Jesus. He'll hold. Shout amen. Give God a hand praise. Hallelujah. Show me your connection card. Here's the challenge. The challenge can be answered in one question. Given what you're facing, do you choose to trust Jesus? And if you do, just write in the response to the message. I choose to trust Jesus. God bless you.